Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. All right, this is Alan Blaine, and I am so excited to bring our special guest today, my good friend, Cody Hollister. Cody Hollister is a wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans. Cody played high school football at Mountain View High School in Bend, Oregon, with his identical twin brother, Jacob. Jacob was the quarterback, and Cody was his number one target at wide receiver. In high school, Cody broke all wide receiver records for his school, and they won the 2011 state championship his senior year. Cody walked on at the University of Nevada, Reno, and redshirted his freshman year. He then transferred to Arizona Western Community College to play as a redshirt freshman, where he earned a scholarship to join the SEC at the University of Arkansas the following year. After three seasons as a Razorback at Arkansas, which were plagued with injuries, Cody signed with the New England Patriots in 2017. He played two seasons with the Patriots along with his twin brother, Jacob, and won the Super Bowl against the Rams in 2019. On May 13th, 2019, Hollister signed with the Tennessee Titans, where he has been playing there ever since. His brother, Jacob Hollister, is now a tight end for the Minnesota Vikings. Cody is a man who loves Jesus and desires to honor and glorify him in all that he does. He enjoys outdoor adventures and is a singer, songwriter, and guitarist, and quite talented, I might add, Cody. I want to say thank you so much for coming on here and being willing to share with us. Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, Cody. Uh, thanks, brother. It's exciting to have you on here, and I'm sure excited for you to get to share your story with all of our listeners. I shared you know, just a brief bio about you. Could you just take us back and just kind of bring us up to speed and tell everyone a little bit more about who you are and your life bringing us up to current NFL times? Yeah, I started out, first of all, I have a twin brother, really has been impactful in my life along the journey because we've gone alongside each other for this entire journey. I have three sisters, Shelby, Sierra, and Haley, my father, my mother, step-parents who are not with my parents anymore, but divorced. And I still would you know, consider my stepdad my stepdad. And he's still really close to me in my life. But Growing up, I grew up as uh, my dad being the first of our generation to be saved. So he was the first of our entire generation following Jesus. And my parents divorced when I was about four years old. So I grew up in a split home. Um, a lot of dysfunction in those homes from, I'd say, generational sin and generational hurts and dysfunction. But at the same time, a lot of positive things and a lot of goodness and love and my mother is the most loving mother you can imagine in the world who just looks at you and cries and would give you the shirt off her back, would literally give you her most prized possession if you wanted it. For the people that she loves, she'd do anything. Same with my dad. He worked real estate because he wanted to have the time to coach all of our teams. And he'd work. At, I didn't even know he worked because he'd literally work and then make all the time in the world. When I'm out of school or I needed to see my dad or it was his time to have us, he was there. And coach all our teams, sacrificed everything he could to give us the best life we could. And, and same thing with my stepdad, same thing with my stepmom when she was there. And so I had parents that really made it their mission to be a good father and a good mother. And they did a fantastic job of that, especially having grown up in some situations where they didn't always feel that. 
So I was really blessed in that way. My dad took on the role for sure as a sports mentor and a spiritual mentor. He kind of laid it out in front of us of saying he was a mixed martial artist growing up and so later on in his life. So he, he was really skilled and knew work ethic and was a baseball player. But he really applied a lot of those mentalities to us. So when it came to working hard, he laid it all out in front of us, but it was never forced. He said, if you want to be successful, then I'm going to do everything I can to help you. But that's got to be your choice. And so he laid football, baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer, martial arts, everything out in front of us and, and let us choose and said, what do you like? And so we played everything. We played every sport you can imagine, hockey on rollerblades, soccer as a goalie, tackling people, getting bloody noses. And he let us choose. And we gravitated towards football, baseball, and basketball. So we played all those through high school, all the way through high school, three sport athletes, me and my brother. But it was never forced on us. But once we did choose, my dad pushed us, not because he was a forceful dictator dad, but because once we did choose, he was going to push us in a way of, of love. And so we'd be doing 300 push-ups, 300 sit-ups every day as 10-year-olds or 11-year-olds. And, and all the parents are thinking we're getting abused because we have a little six-packs at 11 years old. <laughs> I love it. But it was never forced on us. We never felt it was forced on us. We felt we were pushed even to the point of tears sometimes. But it was never to the point of feeling like we were going to get burnt out because it was our choice. We knew that we were choosing this. We knew that if we wanted to be successful, we we're going to, and that was with every sport. If we wanted to be great in baseball, he got us one of those swinging things the next day and we were working on it. We want to be great at basketball. We're out there shooting 200 free throws and football. We're out there in the golf course running speed option. And so everything we wanted to succeed at, he was there and, and believed and saw it for us, even when we didn't see it, knew that we were going to be the best, knew that we had the potential to be the best, saw our future, spoke things into our life that we couldn't see along my journey. So I'm, I'm not trying to spend too much time there, but it was really foundational for me and my brother, especially of how we got brought up spiritually, but also just as athletes and in our mentality, because it's carried us all the way through. And I could get into some family stuff there, but because there, there was a lot of dysfunction, a lot of alcoholism, addiction, things that kind of in our generation has plagued us. But that dysfunction, I don't let it take away from the beauty of the treasure, what I would say. And I learned in counseling that there's trash and treasure of every generation. And there is a lot of treasure in my family. There's a lot of trash in there. And I'm not taking it with me and from both sides of my family. And But that's with every family. And so we have the choice to say there's a lot of treasure and there's trash. But some people see the trash and they say, I want to start over and throw it all away. And there's treasure in there somewhere whether it's the most dysfunctional family in the world, man, there's something you can bring with you. And so I have a lot. I'm so blessed. I have so much to bring with me. And I look at the good that my parents have provided me with. That's a good word though, because nobody comes from a perfect family. There's not anyone listening to this podcast that, that's come from a perfect family. And I just love the way every time you talk about your family, you choose to focus on all the many positives that you have to focus on. And I think that's just such a great lesson in and of itself right there, because it's so easy for any of us in any area of life, family or any other, to start focusing on what's not the way we wish it was. And we have no control of that. And to really focus on what we're grateful for and that gratitude, it's a super special thing. And I just love what you shared about your dad. I mean, you said he saw in you and Jacob things and probably sisters as well, but we're talking about you today, but saw things in you that you couldn't even see in yourself at the time and, and instilled that belief in the vision and just so many lessons even to be learned from what your dad did with you and teaching you work ethic and all those things. So I, I love what you're sharing. 
but continue. So that was kind of your upbringing, right? In the high school years. Yeah. So that was early life all the way to high school. A lot of spiritual formation happened there. There's only so much I can touch on, but right. lukewarm Christian throughout high school, not really knowing the foundation of my faith, not really having knowledge about my faith and the Lord. I knew Jesus, but I didn't really have a deep relationship with him. And so you take that to college and I was kind of the guy that would be around everything and not partake in everything, but definitely around everything. And so you take that to college, we get out of high school, we, we feel like these big shots, man, you win the state championship, you're high on life. It's literally Friday night lights dream. You're like, man, I just want state. We're barely going to classes because we just feel like we're the best thing ever. We want state thinking we're going to get all these scholarships, man, what else can you do? I broke all the records. Jacob broke all the quarterback records. I broke all the wide receiver records. First team all state. We won state waiting for the offers to come rolling in. And, and given we were very underdeveloped, I was, I'm six, four now, six, two, even coming out of high school. I was five, eight sophomore year of high school. So I was such a late bloomer. And just like I told you, my dad always said, you're going to be a late bloomer. You're going to grow late. You're going to be bigger than this. You're going to be bigger than that. You're going to continue growing into college. And I'm like, dad, I don't know. So coming out of high school, you know, we had zero offers. We had one offer, Minnesota Crookston, 70% scholarship. It's a D2 in Minnesota. They pretty much said, come, you guys can run the offense. You be the quarterback. I'll be the wide receiver. And at least to my knowledge. And we just didn't have peace about that. We had gone to a camp at University of Nevada, Reno earlier that summer, I think. And so my dad kind of pushed us in that direction to go walk on there. And we were just embarrassed because kids senior year were having these ceremonies for their scholarships. And, and so we're hiding the fact that we're walking on because we're honestly embarrassed about it. My dad wanted to post about it in the paper and we're like, dad, just don't mention it. We just want to hide. We're like, just let's go. And so we go walk on, embarrassed, heads down, so insecure go there being at that program walk on it was tough coach alt was a coach hard-nosed old style as a walk-on you got treated terrible honestly at that school it was terrible you know you couldn't participate in team meals unless you paid for it where the other guys are getting you know free meals and stuff and you're working twice as hard maybe and and not even getting the perks of like a guy who's on scholarship and so you're grinding out me and my brother are going to buy taco bell at night before we could use the cafeteria card that we paid for and and Jacob didn't even have any money because he had a girlfriend at the time. So he's at, I had like a thousand dollars in my account. So I'm buying his pizza and Taco Bell and just surviving, literally surviving until we had that cafeteria card. And that was our first moment in our life where we genuinely looked at each other. And it was our first obstacle where we said, we really might quit. And we looked at each other that first week at Nevada after all that stuff. And we said, we had a conversation. Should we turn back? Should we go work for our stepdad? And you know, his business, it can be a good life. We can work for him. We saw him do well. We were just like, we're trying to find a way out of the pain that we were in. And we stuck it out because we know the Lord led us there. We just stuck it out. Success is so much less about success as it is not giving up. Yeah. Because when you taste failure, then what do you do? And if you fold, well, then the most successful people, I just watched a TED talk on it and she had studied successful people over a certain amount of time, I don't want to mess it up, but the number one trait that she found was grit. And me and my brother, we stuck it out at Nevada. We pushed through after one semester, we transferred to Arizona Western Junior College on a whim. First junior college, we looked up best junior colleges in the nation. First one popped up, Arizona Western. We emailed them, sent them film. They gave us a scholarship. I still don't know how it happened. And we show up to Arizona Western, hadn't visited there, hadn't anything, middle of nowhere, Yuma, Arizona. We show up in a desert, literally in a desert. 
10 minutes from the border of Mexico. Stepdad drops us off with a trailer and we're unloading our stuff in this tiny little dorm. And again, we looked at each other. We went to that team meeting that night and we looked at each other like, dude, should we turn back? We're like, what are we doing here? Around a bunch of guys we're uncomfortable with, culture shock. We're like, what are we doing? We're in a lettuce field. You can smell the pesticides. It's just like, where are we right now? We can see the fence to the border of Mexico. But again, we said, we're here. We're going to stick this out in terror. Like, what are we doing? No one knows we're here. And we stick it out because we know we're supposed to go. We grind it out for a year. End up being like the number nine receiver in the nation for JUCO. Suck it out. But we're like in the midst of this. So much adversity, so much opportunity to quit. I started out as like the fifth, sixth receiver behind all these guys at junior college. Wow. I could have easily been buried in that system, forgotten about. And I had to just trust the Lord and be like, you will sort this out, but I have no idea how you're going to do it. Because there's some freak athletes they have ahead of me and they see as all talented. And and how am I going to even play, let alone get a scholarship out of here when guys get stuck in the JUCO system so easily? You can't get hurt. If you get hurt, you're done. You're pretty much taking a gamble. But to us, it was just taking a step of faith. And so we went there. Guys get dropped out, pop for marijuana. Guys are getting tased for getting in situations. You know, all that stuff's happening. That's just stay focused. And God just continues, like, we fixed our eyes on him. We saw the salvation of God just literally helping us. And suddenly I'm the number one receiver. I'm like, what the frick? You know, midseason, I'm the number one receiver, and I'm getting all these catches. And so I get a scholarship to Arkansas. Jay gets a scholarship to Wyoming as a tight end because he switched to tight end before the season. Another crazy story. But then I go play at Arkansas for three years. Plagued with injuries, like you said. Spiritual journey was amazing, though. Depression, anxiety, but the Lord saved me with it through music and the guitar and writing. And met a lot of godly men who, who was so formative to me. My college pastors, you know, AIA, FCA. God just, like, overwhelmed me with the Christian life and what it meant to follow Jesus. Jacob was at Wyoming. I'm going to briefly summarize all this because I want to get into more conversation. But just like you said, we went to the Patriots. But, man, even just my time in Arkansas was full of adversity. I got to Arkansas. I said, what am I doing here? I'm depressed. I'm anxious. My mom's telling me it's okay if you want to go home. I can't see you like this. You're literally depressed. I'm in my pillow at night. I wrote a song called Songbird saying, I have my face in the pillow like I can't breathe. And the songbird saved me. It's like God sending music to save me. But I'd go to practice with a smile on, fake it. I'd get, everyone just thought I was quiet, which I'm actually not even that anymore. But I'd go home and I just put my face in the pillow. People asked me to go out or something. I would make excuses faking phone calls on the phone just to excuse, you know, I was a deeply depressed kid. And so deep anxiety, depression, God saved me from that with music and community and connection and being used as a light, you know, speaking of prisons and had these amazing experiences. And I can't even spend the time to do that right now, but, but God just totally flipped my life upside down. And it started with bringing me so low to the point of acknowledging my need for him. And then from that point, I said, okay, God, do what you want with my life. And I saw him just take off in all areas of my life. And I barely hung out with my football guys. And I was literally hanging out with my church friends, you know, on the weekends. And all my time was spent with them. I was just like constantly around my community now. And the football side was almost a struggle for me because it wasn't going the way that I thought it would. I had surgeries and all this different stuff. And coming out of Arkansas, I had a toe surgery that was like three to four months in. It was looking down, man. I had no senior season. It was average at best. I had come off a of foot surgery two the year before. I had this toe surgery into the draft. I couldn't even work out at my pro day. I could only bench. So I killed the bench. I did 29 reps at 225 and just 
focused on that because it's the only thing I could do and I murdered it. I guess it opened the eyes of the Patriots and, but God used even something like that. Pro Day did that. And they literally told me, a wide receiver coach told me, Coach O'Shea at the time, he said, they saw the video of that bench and he said, that's what opened his eyes. Because when he thought I was done, there came nine more reps. Wow. That fight and that grit, that opened my eyes to that kid. And so even in just that video of me fighting, literally giving it all I have, it was a great summary of my story. Very brief summary, but I was undrafted free agent, signed with the Patriots, same with my brother. And God opened a huge door after not being together for three years, bringing us back together on the Patriots. I mean, it's just a mind-blowing story. Right. We were together for two years, won a Super Bowl. And then even me coming to the Titans, man, I could go on forever about God just being a miracle worker and opening these doors, me coming to the Titans, man. I'm trying to summarize so we can get to talking, but it's just like every part of my journey, I don't realize how crazy it is until I start talking about it. And then I'm mind blown too. I'm like, wow, God has really done incredible things. Well, you know, I've only, we've only known each other a couple of years, maybe two or three years. I'm not even sure, but it has been exciting. Just the little bit I've got to witness over the last two or three years of what God has done in your life. And no doubt a lot of those skills, I'm sure you learned as a child from your father and mother too, but the work ethic, it's, it's apparent. I mean, you and Jacob, both, you guys are grinders and there's no lack for hustle muscle and mental toughness on your part. And it shows, and, and God's used that to be a huge blessing. I mean, you've gone through a lot of adversity. Like you said, there's so much more that there's just not time to go through, but what would you say has been a key to your success? It may sound cliche, but the Lord, I believe, has opened every single door in my life. So one, my faith in him has been the key to everything. My dad told me from the very beginning, as a little kid, he said, there's going to be a lot of guys with talent. He's like, things are going to have to align perfectly. He always told me that. He said, everything can go right. You can be the best, everything, but things are going to have to align perfectly. And so I always believe that. I said, all I can do is give my best. And so that's what I'm going to do. You can't even guarantee that you're going to be the best. You can only guarantee that you're going to give your best and that you can be your best. And so I focused on that. I said, okay, dad, I'm going to give my best in everything that I do. And then the rest of it, I'm going to trust with the Lord that he's going to have the outcome. And so the key to my success, my brother's success, I'd say too, is we literally don't try to control the outcome. We give it our absolute best. We adapt. We work hard. We don't quit. And then the outcome is the Lord's. I've seen him give outcomes that I don't want. I've seen walking on when I didn't want that. I wanted a scholarship. I saw a lack of success at Arkansas when that wasn't the outcome I worked for, the outcome I wanted or expected. I had zero success in my eyes. I expected to go to the Patriots in my second year, have a big year because I felt like I was prepared and I was coming off a practice squad year. I had back surgery. You know, things continue to happen where I'm like, Lord, I spent three years here at the Titans and every year have been wanting to be on the 53-man roster the whole year. Haven't done it yet. This is my first year where I'm on it the four years so far. So my expectation and my desire, you could say have never been met. But yet the Lord's control and sovereignty is better than mine. And he's exceeded my desires in so many ways and then unmet them, but in the goodness of better than I could have written it. Ephesians 3.20 is a verse I always come back to. So the key to my success is literally trusting in the Lord. I have to, because if I did not have that, then I would have given up. Because if I saw it to myself controlling the situations, then I'd see myself when I did fail, I'd say, I'm done because I have failed. 
But when I see failure, I say, Lord, you are sovereign over this. And you're going to open a door somehow. My senior year when I had a toe surgery and couldn't even work out, I'm with a boot talking to my agent, had a minimal senior year. Like, how am I going to get seen? I had to say, Lord, I trust you. Guys are asking me, what are you going to do after football? Like, what are you going to do this next year? And it scarred me because I'm like, I had told them, like, hopefully the NFL, man, like, that's my, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so I had to take those moments and be like, God, I do not know how you are going to open a door, but I just trust that you are. I even surrendered that desire. I said, if do you want me there, I'll go into ministry. I'll do whatever you want. He literally opened the door and I couldn't tell you how, but my key to success has really been trusting in the Lord and then giving him all that I have. You said it. I was going to ask you also giving him all that you have, right? I mean, you could have easily just let off on the throttle, stop pushing, stop working, stop grinding and said, Hey, I'm trusting the Lord, but you didn't do that. You, you kept feeling called to continue to pursue your career and worked your tail off and still are. Where did that saying no quit? Is that something that you and, and Jacob came up with years ago? I love it, by the way. No, who said it first? I, I think Jacob said it first, but I don't know when we started saying it, but it just started. It was so formative in our life. We started saying it and it just fit our life. We looked back on our life and we just started saying no quit. We're not going to quit. We're not going to give up because we saw our life, just like I told you before, as so much less about these successful moments. You aim at these successful monuments or moments, and it's less about like this great success, at least for our story. It's literally been about chipping away and just not giving up. It's about clinging to the Lord. And so we have these painful moments walking through these painful doors. And so instead of like, go have great success, which everyone wants, for us, it was, it's literally been more about just do not give up. Right. Continue to fight. The Lord will show his hand. In Galatians 6, 9 is one of the verses we hold on to, but it, it says, and let us not grow weary in doing good for in due seasons, we will reap if we do not give up. That's been a verse that's kind of stuck to that no quit mentality has been sometimes all we can do is not give up. If a family member die, you have hard seasons in your life, you fail, you fall on your face. Sometimes you can't even take the next step. Sometimes it's literally just holding where you're at. And so we've done that. I've prayed for the next breath sometimes. Lord, I do not want to be here. I don't want to be on this earth right now, but I will just stay. I will just be and you sustain me. So I just, I'll cling to you and I won't quit. I don't necessarily have the energy to even take the next step, but I won't take one back. I will just stay right here. I love it, Cody. When you think back, and this brings to mind a lot of these challenges, how do you view them now? Like in hindsight, looking back, how do you view your challenges now? As an asset, as something you wish you could have avoided? The last thing I'd want to do is avoid them because I am so appreciative of the depth and the refinement of all of these challenges, because without them, just like I said, most of the most beautiful people I know have been through the most hard, refining, challenging things. So you meet someone like that and you see the pain in their eyes and that you see the beauty in their eyes and you see the depth of their mind and, you're, and you wonder, how did you get that deep? Because they had to go that deep. They've been through things that forced them into that situation, literally going to go insane and fold and quit or they were gonna grow into something absolutely beautiful. And so I'm so grateful that God has used my hardships and things in my life, including everything from my family, death, hardships and football, rejection, 
every hurtful word, mocking, every single persecution in the slightest degree, but still persecution and challenges in my faith, every single thing in my journey, physical, has made me a better man and has even made me a man. I am so, so grateful. And it almost became to where I started seeing so much fruit from all this challenge and all this hardship to where I started saying like lean into pain because sometimes when we feel pain, we want to run the other way. But I started seeing so much fruit from it. You could say in a sick way, but whenever I'd start feeling pain, I'd feel so close to God where I was like, okay, God, what are you doing? And so I started getting in a sick way, kind of excited when I'd be going through something incredibly hard because I knew God was doing something really great. And so it made me not shy away from pain anymore. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so sick, but God, you must be doing something really big. And so now when I feel pain, when I feel hardship, not to say I do it with a smile on my face, man, I wish I did sometimes like Paul in prison. And I wish I was that guy that <laughs> could do that. And I want to be that guy, like a Chad Johnson or but I just, for me, it's literally been just a gratitude of, I know you're doing something, God, but I don't even need to know what it is, but I don't shy away from painful moments anymore. I really look forward to what they're doing, not necessarily pain itself. Right. My brother always say, like, if you're going to follow Jesus, then you better have a high pain threshold because the pain threshold is going to be parallel to us with the fruit. Because man, if you can endure pain and have a high pain threshold, you're going to see a lot of what God's doing. And, and so we really trust people that once they get under that pressure, when things get real, like how are you going to respond? Because everyone's fine and dandy without it. But then once you get under that fire and in the furnace and start getting refined and pressed, then how does someone respond? Do they panic? Do they turn the other way? Or do they lean into it? Yeah, that's a good word, Cody. And it was a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, Robbie Gallaty. I love what he said. He said, challenges or trials or hard times in life are the master's degree or the college degree in character development. And it's so true because like you said, when you get around somebody who's gone through, is seasoned in going through hard times in life and has come out the other side victorious because they continued to go and they walked by faith and they handled them properly. It is somebody that's got a lot of wisdom and knowledge and character that is very valuable. And so I, I can relate a lot with that. It's never fun in the moment, but I do agree that I can see the fruit of a lot of challenges I've been through personally, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And I'm glad God knows what I can handle and what I can't handle. Because if I didn't believe that and trust him with that in the moment, it would be hard to continue sometimes with a great attitude. Let me ask you this, Cody, if you could go back in time and you could give your younger self some advice, knowing you were going to be going through all this that you've gone through in the last however many years, what would you tell yourself? Something that I've began to learn as I learn more about God's sovereignty than I have, especially in the last two years of trusting in the Lord's sovereignty, of not believing that my humanness is going to mess with God's will for my life or God's sovereignty over my life. Growing up, I had a lot of anxiety about, I better do everything right. I'm going to mess up what God has for me. And I was going to tell myself as a little kid, the story is already written. Like the story is written. You focus on right now. Just like Jesus says, like, don't think about tomorrow because it's too much to hold. I'm the king of thinking about tomorrow and the next day and months later and years later, my future. Am I going to ruin it? Did I mess up? Am I missing out on this? 
but I wish I could tell myself just the story is already written. You just walk in it. You walk in it strong, trusting the sovereignty of God, which I have a greater understanding now. It gives you the freedom to work without performing for the Lord. Because if I'm performing for the Lord, that's not sonship. That's like being an employee. And, and that's how I felt a lot of the time was trying to earn God's even will or blessing for my life. And so if it was up to me, then God would not have blessed me at all because I don't deserve a single blessing he gave me. So if it were up to me, I wouldn't have anything. I wouldn't even have him. But he's shown me time and time again, he blesses me because he loves me. He blesses me because he wants to bless me. And he loves me because he loves me. So I wish I could tell my young self that he loves you because he loves you. He's going to bless you not because you perform well for him, but because you are his son and he wants well for his children. So rest in that. It took me a long time and I'm even still learning that as a performer, literally an entertainer, like sports industry, music industry, whatever it is, I feel like you're always trying to earn approval, favor. But with God, man, he is for you because he's for you. He's for you because of his son. And so resting in that, like you work for the glory of the Lord, you already have his approval. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to go play well. You don't have to go have a good month of obeying him for him to be for you because he's for you. And I wish I could tell my, my younger self to rest in that for sure. That's freedom right there. It's exciting. I love it. I love it. What would you tell somebody who's right now listening to this and they are in their fire? I mean, they're in the heat of it right now and whatever trial challenge of life they're going through, what's one word of advice or encouragement you might give to them? What me and my brother say is when one of us are going through something or we don't necessarily try and fix it because just like in Job, we read Job and some of the worst things you can do as Job's friends or something, you know, trying to find a solution as to why you're going through what you're going through. And that doesn't really help because sometimes we don't know. Job's friends tried to say, what did you do? And that's sometimes what we think. What did I do to deserve this? God, where did I fail? Why are you punishing me? And giving you the peace of the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So don't try and point fingers as to why this is happening. Just let this be underneath God's sovereignty of maybe we don't know even why this is happening, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean into this pain. And even with me and my brother, no quit, meaning don't necessarily feel like you have to go even succeed at this moment. Because in the fire, I didn't succeed in the fire of my life. I don't have these big successful moments. I literally just hold on and I buckle down and I don't quit. Through that fire, you come out of there with all that you have. It may be refined and it may be a lot less than you thought you had, which is I've had multiple times. They come out of the fire and I'm like, man, I have a lot less than I thought I had going into it because what's out of there after that is authentic. So after this fire that you're in, what comes out of it will be authentic and real. All of your faith, the faith that you thought you had before the fire gets tested coming out of the fire. You're like, man, I thought I had more faith than that, but at least what I have now is real and authentic. So take what you have coming out of this. It will produce gold coming out of whatever this is. So it sounds cliche, but literally just trust in the Lord. He's all that we have. He's literally all that we have. When we go through fire, I can say that. I used to say that because people told me that. Mm. And now I can say it passionately because I'm like, he is really all that I have. He is everything to me. He's, he's the only reason. And I'd be lying if I said he's 
the only thing that will heal you, the only thing that will save you. Jesus is the only thing that will sustain you. To think that there's any other answer would be lying. He's the only way. Couldn't say any better than that and couldn't agree more. I appreciate you saying that and sharing that for all of our listeners. Switching gears just a little bit as we start to wrap this up, and I've so appreciated everything you've shared. This has been amazing. I know it'll encourage so many people, myself included. What is one thing, Cody, you would say excites you about the future? When you anything, something you're working on, something you're excited about, anything, just when you think about the future, what's something that excites you about the future right now? A lot of things, honestly. A lot of things. Right now, specifically, I mean, I'm dating a woman I'm excited about, you know, excited about that potential future. And I'm excited about music, songs I'm writing. I'm excited about potential future traveling. I'm excited about football because I feel like it's the most pivotal moment for me of actually playing and all this stuff and feeling confident, the most confident I've felt. I'm excited about a lot of things. I think a lot of times in my life, we all think this, but all right, God, like that was the peak of my life. I'm sure it's such a human thought of, all right, God, there was my moment. Now it's kind of going to be a downhill climb, but like, at least I had my time for me won the Super Bowl, or I have a certain moment, Lord, are you going to use me again? And but what I see is God literally taking me from glory to glory. And so where I used to think I had to hold on to these moments of success, like, I don't know if it's going to come again. Like, I better really enjoy this because who knows if I'll have something like this again. But I literally see the goodness of God taking me from glory to glory to glory to where I'm excited for the future about everything because I have no idea what it has in store. But all I do know is that God is taking me from glory to glory. So I cannot feel like I got to soak it all up right now or else I'm going to miss out. It's like, no, God has more for me in the future. He's not a limited God with a certain portion that he has for me and you and whatever person. He's unlimited in his glory and, his, and, and what he gives as a good father. So I'm excited for a lot of things, but those are some of the things for sure. And I'm excited with you about each and everything you just mentioned. And I love that perspective too, that God doesn't run out of good things to give us. And I could just share so many personal examples of things where I've thought the same over the years, like even in marriage, it's like, well, we're young. Let's really enjoy these years because someday we're going to be old. It's like, well, we got married at 20 and now we're 50. It just keeps getting better. I love that you brought that out again, as we start to wrap this up, Cody, just a few quick 30 second type questions. If you could, what is one habit that you would say? has been helpful to you in your success in life? Man, that's really good. And not to be cliche again, but staying rooted in the word of God is everything to me. Before I had that habit, it's really a thought process or a thought life that is the biggest problem for me because I have anxious thoughts and I can naturally go there very easily. So my thought life is everything, bad self-talk. So. I'd say I had a lot of bad habits, especially in my thought life, but then leading on to a lot of change in my life of reading a full book of the Bible for the first time in at Arkansas. It was the first time I read a full book of the Bible, and then I read through the entire Bible. So my love for the Word of God and my change of thinking around what it even was, of getting to know the God that created you, and I always compare it to like if you had a book about your wife and her character and her loves and her hates and her desire for you and her relationship with you and her story. And, you know, you'd read it from front to back and you'd study it. And so when I began to see that as my father and, and the Lord that created me, well, it changed the way I read the Bible. 
So I'd say a habit of reading the word consistently from book to book, you know, reading a full book, not just jumping around studying the word and meditating on the word, not just finding a scripture that maybe fits me that day. Or it was like, no, reading front to back a book of the Bible, understanding it, studying it, seeing what the Lord really means by it, because it's very intentional. Prayer with the Lord, community with the Lord, but the habitual things for sure of the thought life of changing the way I think used to be a lot of negative self-talk. And now it's seeing those thoughts. And because of the word of God, because without it, you get the lies of the enemy and they're very easy to believe. But now when you have the truth of God, the word, then it replaces those lies with truth. So without that habit of meditating on the word of God, then I believe every lie that's spoken into my head. And so you see like Jesus in the desert and he was able to dispute all the things the enemy said, even use scripture to miscontextualize the word of God and say, throw yourself off or I'll give you everything. And Jesus immediately went to scripture and challenged the lies of the enemy of miscontextualizing and saying, the word also says. And so that's what I have to do. Well, the scripture says it. Well, the word also says this. And so I contextualize everything and not get wrapped around of one thing. A very not spiritual answer too, I thought of was doing the little things that no one sees was a habit since I was a little kid. My dad always used this analogy. It was like, wipe the back of the toilet. And by that, he meant get behind the toilet to where no one would ever see it. Like no one would ever know if there's dust back there or anything, but you do it for the glory of the Lord. I mean, even in something as stupid as that, it's like, wipe the back of the toilet, get the back of the toilet. He's saying, do everything that no one sees. So when I'm in the gym alone and I even think about skipping a rep, I literally get mad at myself and I make myself do one, an extra one because I'm like, how dare you think that you were about to skip a rep? wipe the back of the toilet. So I literally, I go into that mindset of if you allow yourself to do something, it becomes a habit like that. And so I, I will not allow myself to do that. What is the best piece of advice or one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? I mean, that's tough. That's really hard. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever received. I'd have to think on that one for a second because it's tough because the best advice I really do get is from the word of God. But Anyone who's given me the best advice that I've ever received has been a quotation of the Lord. So that's difficult. Maybe I'll get back to you. That's fine. Do you have a book, Cody, that you would recommend for the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway listeners? That's tough too. <laughs> There's a lot of good books. So many different avenues we could go right here. There's one by Caroline Leaf that I loved, Switch On Your Brain. Oh, I love that book. Yes. The Johnson Family suggested that to me and it really changed the way I thought because it lets you know that you can control your thoughts. You're not a victim. God has literally designed the transformation of your brain, not to just be spiritual, but biological. And so if you want to challenge your thinking process and literally rewire your brain to thinking successfully, this negative bad self-talk that you think is uncontrollable, this, you know, these patterns in your mind are like, it's just who I am. Right. I just will always be this. No, you won't. You will as long as you believe that. That book, Wild at Heart, is definitely one of my favorite books of all time. Any C.S. Lewis, I love. Screw Tape Letters is just a really great book because it gets into the mind and the thinking process again of how the enemy tries to get you and little details where you're like, geez, I didn't think about that he may be trying to get me even in my irritation. or So anything that deals with the mind, I love for sure. Thank you, Cody. 
And I love Switch on Your Brain. And that book has been very encouraging to me over the years too, just thinking of, I mean, I just read it a couple of years ago, maybe, but just realizing the ability that we have, the way God created our brains, as you said, to be reconfigured and rewired based on the programming that we choose to give it. And it's happening whether we acknowledge it or not. It's either intentionally wiring better pathways or maybe unintentionally allowing negativity of the world around us and stimulus to wire negative patterns. And to me, that's just so encouraging to know that we do have choices and we do have control over what happens in our mind, just as God's word tells us we do. It's so consistent with the word. And that's why it's so encouraging to me as well. What is the best way others can follow along on your journey and maybe social media or a way to connect with you if they want to do that? I have Twitter and Instagram. I really just do Instagram though. And that's just at Cody Hollister. I try to post encouraging stuff on there, whether it be scripture, trying to keep people updated on my journey a little bit, try to be as authentic as you can. But at the same time, you know, everyone's going to show their highlights, but I try to speak life or if anything, share things that I need to hear. And so definitely Instagram would probably be the best. Awesome. And some good music too. If someone wants to hear some good music of Cody's, I know you pop that on there once in a while too, Cody. That's always fun. Any closing comment you want to share with our audience before we call this a wrap? No, man, just appreciate you for having me. No better man to lead a podcast like this. When you said you even have a podcast, I was like, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Just with all with all the stuff you do and you know, you're juggling a million different things and yet still do it with a smile on your face. And and so if there's anyone I'd take to speak on something like success or not quitting or anything to do with success, I'd listen to you. And so I appreciate you that thought I was worthy of being on here. And yeah, I just pray that this impacts people. And I know that your other sessions are as well. So just thank you. Cody, thank you, man. I sure appreciate you taking the time to come on here with us on your one day off a week here and share this Tuesday as it's being recorded. I know it'll be aired on Thursday, but just really appreciate your time, value your friendship and want you to know you are encouraging a ton of people. And this podcast episode will just be one more platform that your story, your mindset, your attitude and, and your heart for the Lord and others is going to continue to shine. So thank you so much again for taking your time to be on here with us today. Thank you, brother. If you love this podcast, grab some of Alan's free resources on his website at alanblain.com, spelled A-L-L-A-N-B-L-A-I-N.com. You can also find links to Alan's Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok there in his contacts page. Lastly, if you can leave a five-star review for us on your favorite podcast app, that will get these messages out to more people and it will really mean the world to us. Thanks in advance and make it a great day.